0: Hello and welcome to episode number 230, Armin Show Podcast. We are in the place to be. We have the author of this book, A Liberated Mind, How to Pivot Toward What Matters, Stephen C. Hayes, Ph.D., the originator of acceptance and commitment therapy. Welcome to the show. I'm really
1: glad to be here. Looking forward to it.
0: This is a great thing. I would like to describe part of your biography because... It's prolific, okay. I noticed prolific nature and it has it. So you have written forty-four books and nearly six hundred scientific articles. Are these things true?
1: <laughs> there are low estimates because that must be a year ago. But uh other than that. Right. Whenever I hear those statistics, I hear, get a life, dude. What?
0: <laughs> Come on, Stephen C. Hayes. Just unbelievable. That's kind of funny. I uh I always heavily notice prolific nature or doing a lot in the category because I feel like you can only be really good at something when you're touching it at all angles at all times. You, nobody can compete with the person who's doing the most in a category. You just can't. You can't just show up and outdo somebody who's tried this, checked this, got the response from this. It's impossible. So I kind of you like know, that.
1: You're, you're actually the first person to actually say that in an interaction. I've had a person who does this kind of work and stuff. And mm-hmm. I've always believed that's true. I tell my students that. I say, you know, 10,000 hours that can put you in the expert category, 10,000 hours of doing something. This is Anders Ericsson's work. You probably heard that rule. Mm -hmm. No, but that just gets you in the game and do the math, dude. You're not going to be, you know, God's gift. Uh, You're coming out of the gate. You know, you're going to have to slog, 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 slog. And, and well, maybe that's the wrong way to say it. You have to care for a long time.
0: Yeah, that's better. Right. Where your care goes. That's the only place that can be something. People connect with care. That's all they can connect with. And if you bring it in some category, then they can connect with a little bit, some percentage lower than what you brought today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I really believe that. And I hope, you know, maybe, you know, you and I, I, I would love to, when you started out, you started listening to how many podcasts. And, you know, my thought was exactly the same thing. We've never talked together, have we? But I'm going like, okay, this guy is going
0: to be good. Because he's right. done the work, right? You know, good point. By the way, there as far as the my podcast, it had a certain theme. The first hundred was more of me discussing and like messages. Like I put out many years ago, I had a personal development podcast in 2008, 9, 10, 11, and then uh, some people I knew. And then the second hundred is more or less people I knew and some people I had met in public and or some figures uh, that were cool to talk to. And then now it's more individuals who are about something have a message and are saying something
1: yeah you know i'm a little worried i'm jumping ahead even though but people hearing it if you if you're a young person and you're really thinking about it, you're thinking like oh man yeah but part of what's actually in this book and what's in maybe in our conversation is how you go from a place where you're not expert yet but but you care about something deeply and you want to do something. You don't even. You're almost even afraid to say it out loud because you know what a that that's a, a weight to lift. You know, but if you can kind of get out of your way, and channel that energy, you know, life unfolds. Things start happening. Things are moving forward. And, you know, you don't get to be at your 200 <laughs> without that little kind of core motivation, caring, etc. I'm tired, I don't want to do it, but yeah, okay, and and it moves you forward, so maybe that could, it turns out, a liberated mind is all about that, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an really it easy true?
0: thing to talk about. Right, but, it goes straight to that. Yeah, that's true, by the way, if you're doing something and you're not really into it, within like the 10th time you were going to do it and somebody uh, turned you down for something and you just, oh, I give up, or something in your life happened and it was a difficulty and you're like... Uh, I need a few weeks to just take a break. And you stop doing it, you're done. There's so many different things that'll just, if you don't have your own flow to it, you have no chance.
1: chance. Exactly. You know, I I, uh, tell a story in a liberated mind about uh, teaching guitar. Uh, It's with my hands growing arthritic, it's falling away. But I, you know, I love guitar. I play guitar and I've taught, I don't know, 30 people how to play guitar. Mm -hmm. And what I put in there is that I can predict who's going to really be good. And it's the people who enjoy being bad (laughs) because at the beginning, you're bad. You know, and and if people come in and they're talking about, oh, they're rock star dreams or something, I'm going like, oh, man, you're not even going to be able to learn it. What are you doing? You have to really enjoy making that little sound that other people might run from the room Listening to, actually, in the book, I tell the story of me starting with the ukulele. And I knew only one song, which was Ain't She Sweet. And I played it for like a month. And people would like, just run. You know, he's coming. He's playing that god-awful song. (laughs) It wouldn't stop. You know, but there's something in there of creating a space in which you can enjoy a process that is where you are not where you're not. And and in that process, you'll be you'll move into that place where you're not yet, and mm-hmm. you just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. And at the edge, you're always entertaining yourself and having fun, and you're getting better. But uh, how do you do that? How do you get out of your own way in such a way that you can connect in with what? After all, when you jumped out of the womb, you're you're like within hours. You know, you're trying to reach for things, and you're like. Spending hours and hours just, you know, grasping, looking, turning your head at stuff and being entertained by it. And if you didn't, you'd never be able to, like, grab things and move them towards you. You have no idea how long that took to learn that or to control your eyes or or lift up your head or to walk or to, you know. But somehow or another, we get our mind going and then we lose that energy. And then we're like, want to spring forth from the head of Zeus and be expert. Good luck at that. You know, the, last time I checked, we're not springing more odds. You know, we're, we're learning one step at a time and better enjoy it or you're not going to learn it.
0: To follow up on that, yes, I've noticed that, yeah, if someone cannot handle the difficult portions, I know they have no chance of being an expert in that category. And if um, they have to almost, it's their reaction to that difficult part. If they're saying, like, no, no, I wouldn't even deal with that, or that somehow they're like, no, I need at least the, this. The, then I just know that category is not their category.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And how does that happen? How do you get in your own way? Because sometimes people actually say they want to acquire that expertise, or to, but it's just not there. Uh, they're getting in their own way.
0: Mm-hmm. One one thing that came to mind. So I like I always like how books are broken up into sections. You have your part one, part two, and the part two has the. The pivots along the way, yeah. and then part three is using the toolkit. In the part one, one thing I identify with uh, why our thoughts are so automatic and convincing. Can you speak a little bit about automatic thoughts that people run through that they don't not they're not even aware of, and it's happening all day? Oh yeah,
1: that, in fact, the not even aware of part is a really cool story, and I, I originally had more in the book on it because uh, uh, you know I wanted people to understand how hopeless it is that you're going to like get all your thoughts lined up in a row i mean when you're asleep they're doing their work you know they're like a spider just doing its work and uh you can notice it but you can't really fully control it what you can do is put it on a leash or not well you know what what's happening here really in my opinion is we've got a kind of evolutionary mismatch you know if you th- if you do something like uh let's say you have some sort of direct conditioning you know like uh, you see something, and then something painful happens. The next time you see it, you go, like, "Oh, you know that process is half a billion years old." How do we know that? Every single organism that evolved since the Cambrian period, 545 million years ago, does that. Every one. And before that, none of them. Okay, so it's a real clear dividing line. Boom. Operant classical conditioning. If you know the sort of Psych 101 words for it. Mm-hmm. Learning by association or contingencies, you want to talk that way. Learning by experience directly, you want to talk it that way. You don't need to go technical on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, Sponges don't do it. Jellyfish don't do it. But everything else is up. But what you and I are doing is only 2 million years old, 3 million years old, maybe 300,000 years old. Because we don't know. Homo sapiens, for sure. Hominins, we don't know. We're not sure. We know that the chimpanzees don't. I mean in controlled studies, chimpanzees, and I can explain what we're doing here, I can get it down because that's part of what's in the book. Mm-hmm. Is when I kind of walk through my own suffering, my own anxiety disorder, et cetera, and working out how to solve that. Instead of running right out saying, hey, I've got a method to teach people to you know, I spent sixteen years working on what is the basic processes that explain that in part because where i ended up was sort of saying things that sort of sounded like things monks would say and i said god the last thing you need is another freaking scientist out there you know going home i mean no i mean it's fine it's fine but it's already on the planet what can i bring to the that's you know and what we discovered i think actually is the word is, is that this thing you and i are doing is an evolutionarily recent process that probably started with cooperation and because we're the cooperative species, we're the tribal primates. If you didn't cooperate, you'd die. I mean, we basically, you're the isolated monkey, you're the dead monkey in, in, in Homo sapiens or hominid world. But we had learned to extend cooperation. Hey, could you could bring me an apple? Yeah, I'll bring an apple. That two-way street of, if you know, if you have an object that has a name, cell phone, You know, even 12-month-old babies, you then say the name. They look around try to find the object. Chimpanzees don't do that. Language-trained chimpanzees don't do that. Your dog doesn't do that. Please don't send me a little email about your dog. I know you got a smart dog. But you have to teach them both directions. They don't derive it in a two-way street. And infants don't do it either until about 12 months old. But once they do, then it isn't just names. It's also different. If I say, uh, you know, where's the metronome? You never heard that. Look around, you find the one object, you don't know what the hell that's named. You'll derive, that's probably a a metronome. That's around 16 months. Well, and then it goes into opposites and comparisons and before and after. And then when you get just a little bit farther along, then you can do something like, you know, if I did this, I'd get that outcome. But if I did that, I'd get this outcome. And you know, that outcome is better than this. In your head, not by trial and error. You know, now we're talking like three years old, four years old, right? Verbal problem solving, imagining futures that have never been and comparing them in your mind. By the time you've got that, you've got massive ability to solve problems, but you're also getting the voice within that will turn your life into a problem to be solved. And you know, and even little kids, four year olds, if you show them the the cartoon, with Goofy's with horns is on one shoulder and Goofy with halos is on the other shoulder, they get it. That's how oh. young you are. And by the way, by the time you're that old, suicide starts. Mm. Because you can imagine, uh, the first book I wrote on ACT after these almost 20 years of development, uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, the, the, the stuff that the, the plied arm of this psychological flexibility journey, trying to figure out, well, this journey to figure out how language and cognition works, figure out how it then changes, how normal processes work. Uh, At the very beginning of that book, I quoted the New York Times, says a six year old child threw herself in front of a subway today and died. The authorities said her mother had died of a terminal illness. You know, so you think about how old you have to be to do the most anti-life thing we know. And all you have to do is be able to imagine a future where your mama's not going to be there, and you can be with her in heaven if you just die. You know, and that's really, really young. Well, but my point being, once we get that dictator within going, which is great for doing your taxes, fixing your car. You know, figuring out how to deal with a microphone that's not working, have a cell phone in your pocket. Science, you know, we put it on steroids with science and technology, which is the product of the same thing. You look around the room, you'll see almost nothing that would be there without language and cognition. Almost nothing in your environment right now.
0: Right.
1: You know, you got things that are made out of oil that you're sitting on, dirt that is ground up and melted that forms the structure of your chair. I mean, and... Our human prosperity goes up, goes up, goes up. Less violence, less poverty, less malnutrition right now on the planet than ever in the history of the world, of the universe, of the planet, right? Mm -hmm. If you pick a time to be born and you didn't know where, now's the time to pick it, right? Yes. And, you know, young people have more anxiety and stress now by a whole standard deviation than they did 30 years ago. Suicide rates are up. Everything's going in the toilet. You can kind of look at the. TV screen, and you go like, oh, God, man, the world's going in the wrong direction. And it is because we've turned our life over to this dictator within that evolved initially for cooperation, turned into problem solving. That's great. But then it's it, we've allowed it to become the dictator that tells us that we our life can start when When we earn the right to, you know, it treats our life as a problem to be solved and feeds us the toxic triad of exposure to pain, exposure to judgment, and comparison between yourself and others where you're always on the short end of the stick. I mean, your internal life never looks like the Instagrams that you see with other people's life. They're obviously doing better than you. You want to look at a billionaire's bathroom and see uh, gold-plated toilet seats, you can do it. You know, so that toxic triad of pain, judgment, and comparison is just overwhelming us. And if we don't learn how to rein in this problem-solving mind, we're we're going to drown. I mean, we're these trends are just going to keep getting worse. We need modern minds for the modern world, and that, that's what this book's about. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I fully answered the question. I know I didn't, but it's in that space of how this mismatch, this new Adaptation of symbolic language turning into problem solving can be reined in, and that's why you know everybody's talking about mindfulness and all that kind of stuff. Because we got to figure out a way forward that allows us to, you know, see if somebody does something awful in the next minute, in the next five minutes, we can see the videos of it. You know, somebody threw their kids off the a bridge. Somebody got gored by a. Some plane flew into. It'll be here. You can watch the video of it right. that's new man that when I was your age they couldn't put pictures of dead soldiers in the New York Times in the Vietnam War Do you know that you were not allowed to print a picture mm-hmm. of a dead soldier I had a rough now idea I watch people right live in fact they'll film it right you know if I'm like going to go shooting. out and take everybody with me I'll just stream it Right. They'll take it down, but not fast enough that you can't. Right. So what are we going to do in that world? You better wake up and figure out a way to rein in your mind or it's going to just strangle you with that combination.
0: I've noticed this a few themes you brought up here, but one of them is uh, in this past, especially year, I've seen quite a few pieces of content or uh, sometimes books or different speeches about the trend now, like Instagram for example, has reached its sort of like peak and it's not it's losing its flair, if you will, because yeah. So many people would do this, scroll, feel bad about themselves. Off they go. I noticed that when I started using it at the beginning, I didn't really connect with Instagram at the beginning, which actually was a good sign, I guess. But <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I still don't know what I'm looking at half the time. Because it doesn't look like reality outside. When I go outside, this is not I go outside, there's like a tree in a car, a park, there's some I'm trying to park, I go to a place, There's a, and then I look on here and it looks like, I don't know what this is. So uh, I never got impacted highly by it, but I could always feel that certain people were being highly impacted, but they wouldn't say anything. It's sort of like when you say it, it's not an issue, but when you hide it, it actually was an issue that you were uh, covering up and you're not saying anything. So I was always worried about them. So there's a few books, like uh, uh, Cal Newport has a digital minimalism book, or... This guy near Eyal has an indistractable about not being distracted. by. it's becoming a theme because so many yeah. people, they have, uh, their visions have been clouded. And one thing you mentioned there about the other voice after I, I tutor students at times. And one of them, their parents, they have like a Buddhist meeting. So I started joining at times. And they talk about the transient voice. It's just there huh. and like not giving it too much weight, uh, which is kind of like it's funny. You mentioned kids at a certain age, they very quickly can understand that. That's interesting to find out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I th- I, you know, I think what's going to happen, I hope, is that uh, with Western science, we can filter this thing out. You know, what science is good at is there's, there's stuff inside our wisdom traditions and so forth that we can use. But there's also a lot of woo-woo and mumbo-jumbo and stuff that's just not needed, you know. And so, you know, no, Buddha was not a scientist. Don't be telling me he's a freaking scientist. I don't want to hear that. I mean, if people tell me that. You know and or whatever religious leader you right. you, you got, or whatever no right. but but we can respectfully kind of pull these things at its joints mm-hmm. and say, "Okay, well, what is the twenty percent that does the eighty percent then put it into the culture? That's what I'm trying to be part of with this book, but not just the book. I've got a community of people who are working on this that's about eight thousand five hundred people around the world twenty eight chapters blah, blah blah, and it's not about me, me, me. what it's been about is how can we create a community that's chasing these processes and trying to figure them out and put them into normal people's lives, you know? And what I think is gonna happen is things like, take the Instagram thing, that people will be working a lot more with putting what's going on in their insides out so that you can see, you know, like we we have a thing that uh, uh, we do in ACT uh, workshops where we have people dig down to a self-judgment that's really painful that they're ready to let go of you know like I'm just sick and tired of being pushed around by this enough I don't give up f-. you know this is it right mm-hmm. and maybe it's something like unlovable or liar or uh, uh, fraud or uh, mean or in you know, something it's mm-hmm. and there's a lot of them but you pick one that you're really let it, uh ready to let go of uh This started with actually Robin Walzer at the National Center for PTSD working with uh, soldiers coming back. And what's showing up on their chest? Things like murder. I mean, think about it. How are you going to carry that when you actually pulled the trigger and kids died in front of your eyes? Because we ask soldiers to do incredibly hard things sometimes. And, well, so there's a, you can actually get uh, kind of YouTube films of this. We th- you then we write it on your chest, you, you, on, a, on a thing and you stick it on your chest, that word. As a manifestation of I'm not, I'm not letting that run me anymore. Oh. I get it. I have it. For the rest of my life, I'm going to be able to think it. Why? Because that's the way the mind works. There's no delete button in the nervous system. <laughs> Anything you were ever told, heard, saw, whatever. There's no process called unlearning. If you take psych you say, where's the unlearning process? These are learning processes. There isn't one. You can have inhibition processes like extinction, but you can learn it again faster, which means it's still there. So you know that once in, in that's the way the nervous system works. Sort of brain injury, or as the joke goes, a, a frontal lobotomy or a bottle in front of me. I mean, you can create physiological conditions where you can get stupid, but you really, it's not in your interest. <laughs> and, the, and the nervous system is not really interested in doing that because you survive better if you can respond to your experience in the past. So you're carrying all this shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you walk around and you look at people's tags the way we do it. You're not allowed to comment on it for like an hour. Oh. And every one of these freaking tags you could have put on yourself. So people are walking inside these painful, painful wagging fingers of shame and blame secrets. And they're all, the big joke is, they're all the freaking same secrets. But we don't put our insides out. And you don't see that on the Instagrams. And so what do you feel? You feel like you're the one left out. You're the one behind the door when the goodies were passed out. You know, you were the the loser. You're the, the one who got the short end of it. And it's actually, no, you're a human being and people are lying to you by omission, not on purpose, they're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to protect themselves, and in so doing, they're making a a social world that's harder to be whole and free. And uh, could we flip that around? Can we be a little wiser? Can we start deliberately creating opportunities to uh, create a more flexible, kind, compassionate, values-based world? And I think the answer is yes, we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. Or the world will just burn up as it goes into a gazillion degrees or whatever is going to happen, you know. But we're, we're on lots of trajectories that could be really bad if we don't learn how to come together in consciousness and be wiser. And you need the psychologists at the table, not putting people into some sort of syndromal thing, you're mentally ill, not that. What are the processes that liberate human lives? That's what's in the book. That's a 40 year science journey. And I think I can tell you at least the best vetted so far scientific answer to that, the smallest set that does the most, that's called the psychological flexibility processes that are talked
0: about in liberated mind. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a like- bit of entrapment, if you will. And yes, the lying by omission, by the way, I highly identify with that. I've always noticed that most of the content that has had a negative impact on people's well-being You know, I would like to see the four hours of filming before and after the content. Like, show me that person's whole day. Show me that. That's why, like, if I met somebody, show me all your text messages and stuff. I want to see. I'm not judging. Let's look at the whole thing. Oh, wait a minute. There wasn't some big uh, scenario that was so different out there. It made it seem like that because you just chopped off the little part. It's like there's a cake and there's a little bit of uh, cream and a cherry on top. Chop off the cake. Here's the thing. And everything looks like that all the time. I guess you're going to start thinking that's reality in some form. But they kept cropping, <laughs> stop cropping everything. I guess that's awesome. And actually, you know, we
1: started spontaneously, even before I know what we're doing here, talking about you know expertise and stuff like that, that's another example. You know, because people write these stories, these success stories, and they look like overnight success. And you know, I've got a 14 year old, in you know my my youngest, my eldest is turning 50. I've been doing this for a long time. But uh, I've had kids in the home for 55 years. By the time he goes to college, but um, yeah, you know, he he's talking to me about YouTubers and what they did, and they instantly made this amount of money, and blah blah blah. And I gone, "Dude, wait a minute!" And I've noticed just in the last year, his his mind is shifting, and he's starting to dig in. He's starting to realize, oh, <laughs> you know, how much work it took to put people for them. And occasionally, things just happen. Yeah, miracles happen, but to put yourself in a place where you can succeed. And he's starting to dig into the studies in a different way. I can just sort of see it where it's sort of settling in. And it's the same kind of thing, you know, that could we, uh, if I use the example just out of the science side, Mm -hmm. Uh, a a guy is dead now is a student of B.F. Skinner's Oglin's a crazy old coot. I love the guy and he, he he did a study showing that you can learn while you're asleep. And it was so cool because, you know, learning about awareness and stuff like that, you know, you kind of know it. I mean, you're, you're responding to your environment when you're asleep. I mean, if you have ever like, uh, uh, you know, wake up, sometimes you realize noise in the background, cause that dream, blah, 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 et cetera. Well, so he, he has this really cool study. It publishes in Science Magazine, the highest impact science journal in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. This is like 40 years ago. And he wanted to write it this way. Here's how this actually happened. I was working on my apparatus, and I fell asleep. And then when I woke up, it turned out that I was actually learning while I was asleep. And science would not let him do that. They had to make. They made him put in a hypothesis. My hypothesis was, because that's freaking science. In other words, you're going to tell young scientists that oh, I've got an idea that would test learning without awareness. I will test subjects as they go to sleep while they're working on my apparatus. No, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's not how that happened. It was right. serendipity is how that happened. You know, Skinner, B.S. Skinner, the rats and pigeons, I don't know if you know who he is, into, but mm-hmm. his early work on extinction was done because the food apparatus that his apparatus broke down. And he, and he comes in and he's looking at this cumulative record, you know, the record of what the animals did. And he said, oh, look at that, it's different. And if God bless him, he wrote it up that way. <laughs> my equipment broke mm-hmm. and here's what happened. <laughs> it wasn't like, I have a hypothesis. You know, so the kids are being lied to constantly.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and then they're wondering like, when am I gonna get my inspiration? When am I gonna get my brilliant idea? Dude, that's not how it happened in the first place. Pe- people were out there learning and having all these other things, and then things combine. Brand new ideas don't happen out of nothing; they happen out of combination of these little bits of things that you learn from all these kind of places. If you're interested, you're exploring, you're pushing out the boundaries, you're creating an opportunity for those little seeds to grow. But if you wait for the, like the the gods to touch your, you know. You're going to be my age and you're still waiting. So I don't know. It, it, there's something in just the way we are as human beings that feed this, uh, it, you know, and it made it much worse in the Instagram world. Now we can really pretend and put on the mask and the clown suit and pretend that we're however we want <laughs> to pretend to be. Uh, you know, the the word for personality comes from a, Greek word that was a clay mask that you'd put on when you played roles
0: in Greek theater. Oh, like a persona.
1: Yeah, a persona. A clay mask. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we that's what we do. We put on a you know, right. or frowny face or a happy face. And and people don't get to see the real process of how human lives evolve. I try to walk through some of this and some of that I tell my own story of my own panic disorder and things like that just so that people can relate to oh that's how that works Uh, you know sometimes you find good ideas only when you hit bottom things like that
0: Mm -hmm. i've noticed that i always uh take into account the i call it like a combinatorial effect that's how things are made they don't just generate from uh, one thing. They're like, you thought of this, this thing happened, you were there. And then you can pretend to take credit so much, like, look what I amazing did. But maybe it was just the circumstances in your form, you saw it. You, and then later on, you can just cover up, you can pull the carpet or whatever that phrase is. And now you can present it to people like, well, this is why I'm number one in this category because of this. and all this. Exactly. And, and they don't see but the thing. So it's always
1: an ego-based story. You you kind of you you admit the process. Sometimes you don't know the process. That that's to be fair, but but you even admit the parts that you do know, and and then you you come up with a long paragraph that has the word I in it about ten times. Yeah, and then lots of content. But really, what's going on there, dude? You're climbing inside this ego-based conceptualized self and pretending that's you and of course you came up with this brilliant idea because you're so great and you're so grand you know
0: and not only do you not connect with it you know it's kind of a false thing you're creating but nobody connects you basically created something that was for it's over there you basically like you built a pyramid it goes and sits over there you're not connecting with it other people they don't know what to take from it other than he's amazing she's amazing i don't know yeah, you Great. don't know how to
1: apply it to yourself. Well, in A Liberated Mind, that you mentioned the the subtitle, How to Pivot Towards What Matters. Mm-hmm. That metaphor of a pivot, uh, this is the first act book where I really kind of developed this thing out. The me- metaphor is like you take energy that's going in one direction and you put it in another direction. Like a pivot is the like a, a hinge. It's a French word for the part of the hinge. where If you want the door to go that way, you have to push it that way. Right? Mm-hmm. So you've got these things going on in your life that are going actually in a negative direction. But what I try to do in liberated mind is walk inside the big six. There's six things we do that are really pathological, and they're paired up with sync things that we can learn how to do that are really helpful. Mm-hmm. And they predict. I mean, we've done the work. You know, like we have studies with like 10,000 people followed over five to 10 years. I mean, they just predict massively which way your life is gonna gonna go. But what what what's there in these pairs? But what's cool about it is the energy inside. The negative one and the positive one are the same energy, and so right, if you slow down and you notice what's screwing you up, it's not because you're uh, there's something wrong with you. You actually try, you have the right issue going on there, but you're channeling it in the wrong direction, and so to connect with what you're just saying, why do we get into this? I I I I I'm great. great. Why do we lie so much? Why? Because we want to belong. We want to belong. We're the social monkeys. And, you know, if you look at a baby, you just look in its eyes, brand new, neonate. I mean, jump out of the womb, look at the baby. The baby starts dumping natural opiates in in its brain. Ah. You know, just, we are so, and we got whites around our eyes so we can even see it. You know, the other primates don't. So you can see where mama's looking. And mama looks at their sweet baby. You're like, ah. The only creatures on the planet that do it, by the way, are dogs. And they, we, it's between the two of us, not between right. them. Yeah. And we, we kind of evolve them to do that because they got to follow our intentions. So, you know, we, uh, we, we actually kind of, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, program that in over the 12,000 years that we've been working out together, us and dogs. But going back to it, so if you look at like this, uh, I'm special, I'm special, I'm special kind of thing does do you do other people feel especially connected to you uplifted and empowered by you when you do that? No, have you ever been around a narcissist, do you feel especially connected to that person no I'm great i'm grand i'm I'm the best uh, you really need me. Look at all the wonderful things. Do you feel connected to them? Do you don't
0: yeah.
1: because the message is I'm different than you I'm better than you. that's why you need me or oh, I'm depressed, I'm, in, I'm so, oh, my oh, my abuse history, oh, I'm, you know, I get it, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm a psychologist, I care about pain, but don't climb in that as a clown suit. That's another way to belong, where people within the first conversation want to tell you the string of mental illnesses some freaking shrink has tagged them with you know, that, you know, and we'll get accommodations because I have this long list. I mean, come on, what are we doing? That's not real either. And that's more like, you know, let me in. I'm so needy. But what's, what's my point is what's underneath these two things is this yearning to belong. So what's in a liberated mind is that I say, okay, how do you actually belong? How do you actually create that? And it's in consciousness, sharing values and vulnerabilities. You think about who you feel especially connected to. Who you genuinely want to be a friend with, or when you have a real friend or a lover, a really special one, what happens? You're connected in consciousness. When you're together, you're together. You can look at each other and you know, and you share what's painful and difficult and you share what you deeply care about. They know you from the inside, yeah? That's not a clown suit. And it's neither needy nor great and grand, it's, it's human. And what, and what I try to do in a liberated mind is show how we can get there, how can we create a, a cultural context but also a psychological context where it's safe to get out of the clown suit, show up as a whole conscious being Make room for your history, your difficult thoughts and feelings. Come into the present and remember or connect with what you care about, what brings vitality, meaning, purpose to your life, and then organize your behavior around that. And now we're back to the how to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> you know, now, now we've got an engine of being more and more and more who you came to be and, and allowing yourself to have aspirations and inspirations and to become expert, if that's what you're into, in the areas that really uplift you. Not because somebody else said you're supposed to be like this or because your mind's telling you otherwise that means this about you, et cetera. Not all these kind of pokes and prods and wagging fingers. That doesn't lift you up. That doesn't move you forward. So I'm now, what I've just done, if I did it in slow motion, there's all six flexibility processes. I've connected, they're all in the, that paragraph if we unpacked them. But this example of belonging. Uh, belonging leading to the conceptualized self and instead taking the energy and coming into this uh kind of interconnected sense of consciousness in which these other flexibility processes are possible. That's kind of an example of what i tried to do in a liberated mind and share what uh, forty years of research by several thousand people can can produce. It's not me, it's a whole community, but I'm channeling it because uh Uh, You know, I'm able to because the, you know, the the cultural gatekeepers will let you publish a book at a certain level (laughs) (laughs) because they'll they'll invest the money and gamble and they'll see if they make their money back. But meanwhile, I've got a book where I can maybe share what the community did. Mm -hmm.
0: I noticed there's so many topics, but one I want to is I I, going back to what you said uh, way earlier about like when you're looking at what to even research, you looked at what can you bring to the table, which is your special category. That's a nice feature because the stuff that somebody else could bring or it's not your forte, somebody else could do that. It's not for you. You have your own, this is my, I feel this, this is what I resonate with. That's a nice feature. And when you're doing that thing, there isn't so much ego or so much, you don't need, it's just I'm fit. I'm I'm being fulfilled by what I'm doing. I'm not like, because when you're needed, you're actually unfulfilled. And then ego is like, you're trying to make something from nothing. Like, look, I look at what I did, but it's not for you. So I noticed those kinds of uh, elements. I like, I like the way you're
1: talking. I mean, it really is uh, right on. Uh, to, my, to what I know of the science of it, what you're saying right now is right on. I mean, scientists, different ones will have different terms for it, but, but the core of what you're saying is right on. And so, and so how do we put that into our hearts first, my way of thinking, and then heads and hands second? So how do we actually connect with that space in which what you're saying is becomes of importance? You know, sometimes the way in is pain. You know, people get beat up enough by trying to put, you know, make the clown suit work, and you, yet another relationship gets trashed, or you get all this even wonderful outcomes, but you feel empty, or you know, you find yourself doing something, and you're forcing yourself constantly to do it because you're supposed to care about it, but you really don't. You know, it's just. Ugh. That's painful, all of those kinds of things. And that's what it took for me. I mean, I, I tell that story in the book. But sometimes other people can be guided just by sweet moments, you know, by really being able to read what really brings vitality to your life. And if you chase that, if you really chase that, I don't mean the sugar rush. I mean real vitality. I mean eyes open in the morning, ready to go. It feels um uplifting connected you know rich um right high bandwidth judgmental right but true or or, 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 apt fitted i mean there's not even good words for it uh you chase that and uh you'll find these same processes i'm talking about in the book in there because you know people have been doing this for millennia. It's just the, the cool thing science can do is it can kind of, you know, E equals MC squared. It's a kind of really big, broad, general thing, applies a lot of things, but it's really specific, man. You can measure the bending of the curvature of light around a gravitational object. You know, there's nothing like that in behavioral science, but the closest are things like reinforcement principles, stuff like that. And maybe some things have to do with how the brain works. In terms of how language works, cognition works, um, boy, this sounds prideful, but I think this is one of the best attempts out there. And it's because we've spent a lot of time slogging through, you know, what is that 12 month old baby doing? How does that scale to what you and I are doing right now? And then how can we put that into our lives in a way that we are uplifted by our psychological processes and it can extend out to social processes and, and taking care of our own physical health and so forth, that all these things
0: that, you know, are of importance can be empowered by getting your mind right. That makes sense. I like that you handle so many different categories in the book as well, the difficulty or whatnot challenge. What I like to always conclude with, close with, put together with is if you had a message for all people of the earth, you had like a megaphone and it was a one-sentence message, what would be a message you would say to everybody that represents something about who you are or what you would want them to know?
1: Well... Really, I think we're in a journey to put love in the world, but in the modern world, I think we need to learn kind of how to do that. And so part of what I think I would say is uh, uh, your mind is not your friend, but it's not your enemy. There's more to you than just that judgmental part of you. And it's worth taking time to attend to your own thoughts, feelings, memories, and bodily sensations in a way that allow you to learn, but allow you to not be entangled by that. And then consciously show up here in the present moment and kind of wake up to what you deeply care about and put your life's energy, the actual behavior, what you would do with your feet, put that to what you care about, not what, your mama says you have to care about or what some book says you should care about or you'd otherwise feel guilty if no gut check time what you between you and the person in the mirror what what are the qualities uh, you know that are reflected maybe in your heroes maybe in your sweet moments maybe underneath your pain when you flip it over why is that so painful because you care about something because you wanted something okay well what is it Let's put that. And um, if you could st- distill that all down, it would be something like, uh, "Let's learn how to be here whole and free, and to love e- love ourselves and each other, and you know, create a world in which that can be more of the theme than what we see on these uh,
0: computers in our pocket." That, <laughs> huh? That is a wonderful message. I always resonate with parts of. It. I look at when you, as you're describing it, I'm thinking of parts of it that connect with me. That's cool. Professor Hayes, I would like to thank you for having been on episode 230 of the show. This has been wonderful. Frankly, I'm going to watch it back just to pick up on things from my own existence uh, to understand them a little bit better. Author of A Liberated Mind, How to Pivot Toward What Matters and countless publications across the board. When you have a category and you hit it from many different angles, then you are the person. There is no competition. In that realm. You're the person for that. Glad to have had you on the show. Awesome to be here with you. This is a playful,
1: fun romp, and uh, I hope people can actually uh, take of it something that's
0: of use. This is true. And we are out.